Welcome back to the Crowd Noise Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Stephen Martinez. December 20th, 2018, that is the date today. And I want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you because by the next Crowd Noise episode, Christmas will have already passed. So I'm taking advantage of that opportunity right now to wish you and your family uh, happy holidays and uh, good luck in the new year. I guess I, well, we'll have a new episode before the new year, but I might as well just throw throw it all in throw it all in this week. Um, yeah, there's that. No more last week. I didn't realize last week or was it two weeks ago? It was the last Thursday night game, so we did we don't have to do any more god awful Thursday night games. Uh, some of them, most of them were pretty good. Uh, some of them were really really bad. We skipped a few this year, but uh, we don't have to worry about that anymore. We can just do. Uh, well, they replaced it. They're still they're called Thursday Night Games Saturday Edition, which is just, that's even more infuriating than just having games on a Thursday night. But you're calling them Thursday Night Games, but they're on a Saturday, so we have to deal with that now. There's always there's always something we got to put up with, uh, but for the most part, Thursday Night Games are over. Um, we're heading in. It's week 16. Man, the season flew by. The season's already almost over. Uh, the playoff race is about finished. It's pretty much over. I mean, it's there's pretty much all over but the shouting there's a few i think i want to say like eight games this week out of yeah eight yeah that's right eight games out of the 16 played um will decide will clinch a playoff spot half the games this week are going to be clinching or deciding a playoff spot so great games this week obviously we have our picks uh but we're going to change it up a little bit this week doing something a little bit different we're not i mean we're going to pick games don't worry we're going to hear those picks but I want to do something we haven't done before. I mean, I guess we haven't done it before. It's the very first year, really, first uh, rendition of the Crowd Noise podcast. But we're doing playoff rankings. And I'm ranking them not, obviously, we're going to do a playoff predictor too once because the playoff bracket obviously isn't officially set yet. So they'd be foolish to do a playoff, uh, excuse me, playoff predictions and, and maybe teams fall out or whatever. Um, the Seahawks are on the bubble. Um, the Steelers are actually on the bubble. The Ravens too. So uh, we're not gonna. It's not a full playoff prediction. It's it's more of the teams that are most likely to get in the playoffs. I'm ranking those as most likely to win the Super Bowl. Um, and who knows? The the way I rank them is not necessarily how I'm gonna be picking the playoffs. I might pick them different. Uh, obviously, in the playoffs, anything can happen. I mean, it's a one game sudden death sudden death match so um i've been playing a lot of smash bros so forgive me the sudden death there's going to be a lot of smash brothers references uh in this episode it's a one game playoff anything can happen the better team doesn't always win sometimes i mean you just come out flat you know what happens but anyway we're going to be ranking the teams that are in the playoffs right now who have already clinched and the teams most likely to make the playoffs and i'm going to rank them from 12 to 1 of who i think has the best chance of winning the super bowl maybe not necessarily who i'm going to pick to win the super bowl but who has the best chance uh, winning the Super Bowl. Then later uh, in the show, um, some more Lakers stuff. We can never get through a week without doing, I mean, any Lakers news because it, it is news. I mean, anything that the Lakers do by them, the Lakers, I mean, it's news. But then you add LeBron James to that. Um, it's it's just front page stuff every single week. He's trying to recruit Anthony Davis. Uh, he went way out into the media, made, I mean, Went out of his way to try and recruit Anthony Davis. Said it would be amazing. Like, duh. Uh, that's a That should have been quote of the week, but it's not. Uh, we will definitely be getting into that. The way I feel about the Lakers. Um, moving forward, it's not... Uh, if you're a Laker fan, you're not going to like to hear this. It's I'm really I'm really concerned. And I'm really... Uh, yeah. Well, we'll save that for later in the show. The Lakers are not going to like to hear what I have to say later on. Then we have a quote of the week, of course. So let's go ahead and get right into... Our playoff predictor, not pre- it's not a prediction. Playoff rankings going into the uh, postseason. So, like I said, this is not a playoff prediction. It's not I'm picking games in the play. It's not that. It's I'm ranking teams who have the best chance as far as the criteria, um, their personnel, obviously, um, their style of play, and the way they've been playing recently. I think if you, it's like in in baseball, they always say. If you get hot like right right in September, going into October, you have the best chance to win the World Series. So in football, it's the same thing. If you get hot the last three or four weeks heading into the season, you could you can run off three or four games and win the Super Bowl. I mean, it, and not be the the best team in there. So it's not predictions; it's ranking. I guess the best overall teams uh, going into the playoffs and ranking them as far as 
who I think has the best chance of winning the Super Bowl. I always make these these confusing lists. A few weeks ago, we had the NBA playoff or stay off, and that didn't make sense until the very end. Until I named it, I didn't have a name for NBA playoff or stay off until I finished. So maybe that'll be the same for this segment also. It's not a playoff predictor, so um, I don't know. If you have any ideas for what we should title this segment, go ahead and uh, uh, scream into your phone as loud as I can, and uh, maybe I'll suggest it for next year. So with that, let's go ahead and rank uh, all the teams from 12 to 1. Number 12 being the least likely, I think, to win the Super Bowl, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I picked them to win the AFC North in the preseason, and that is still actually in play. They're chasing down the Steelers. Uh, The Steelers had a great win against the Patriots to kind of keep pace or uh, keep some space, rather, uh, with the head of the Ravens for the lead in the North but not for the reasons that I picked the Ravens to win the North. I picked the Ravens to win the North because I thought Joe Flacco was going to become, was it 2012? When did they win the Super Bowl? I can't remember. Was it 2012 or 11? Was it 13? I don't know. When they beat the 49ers, Joe Flacco was not fantastic. He was good enough to stay out of the way of his own defense. And I thought he was going to do that again this year to keep Lamar Jackson off the field. And it's been the exact opposite. Lamar Jackson has been the sole reason that the Ravens are even still in the playoff hunt. Uh, if the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. They would be playing the Patriots in Foxborough. And that is precisely the reason why I have them number 12, dead last. I mean, Lamar Jackson, he's been great. I don't know about great. He's been good. Let's leave it at that. He's been good. Um, he's still, he is what we thought he was. He's a great runner. He's dynamic. He, uh, he confuses defense. He causes a lot of matchup issues, but he's not a pure passer of the football. We knew, we knew this from day one. That's the reason why he's, his stock was, I mean, plummeting on, on draft day and, and leading up to the draft because he can't, he's not a great thrower of the football. I mean, and when you play the New England Patriots in Foxborough, what is the number one thing that Bill Belichick does to you? He takes away your strengths. He forces you to do the things you don't like to do. The Patriots will have a plan to shut down Lamar Jackson's running ability and force him to uh, beat them with his arm. I don't see that happening uh, in Foxborough. Now, the Ravens have a good defense. They should keep that game close, but the Patriots are going to win at home. This is what they do traditionally. Uh, and now, now I'm picking. See, I said I wasn't going to pick games, and now I'm picking games. But um, the Ravens—they're not going to beat the Patriots or wh- wh- whomever if it were to end up the Steelers, the Chargers. It doesn't matter. Uh, the Ravens—I have them least likely to win the Super Bowl. Uh, oh, and by the way, I guess I should have said this too. It's all—it's not AFC, NFC. It's the whole. It's out of everyone. Well, I guess they did say that one out of twelve. Whatever. So now you know. Uh, even if they were to beat the Patriots, they'd have to go to Arrowhead uh, and beat the Chiefs. So, I mean, yeah. Um, not the Ravens. I wouldn't bet on them to win the Super Bowl. Number 11 in the NFC. The Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson has been fantastic. He's been great. I mean, he's similar to the Ravens. That's why they're ranked so closely together. He's been the only reason that they're even in the playoff hunt. And if you look at their record, what's their record right now? Eight and six. They started off, everyone wrote them off in the first four or five weeks of the season. They were dead. And now all of a sudden they can finish 10 and six, like double digit wins. I mean, I mean, a great, they have a great record. Um, who did they get this? Oh, they get the Chiefs this week. Okay, so they're probably going to finish nine and seven. But if you look at the teams that are chasing them down, uh, the Eagles, I think they'll lose this week to the Texans. I'm actually picking that game a little later. Yes, and then the Redskins, I mean, excuse me, the Washington D.C. football team. Uh, I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, so the teams that are chasing down the Seahawks, I think they'll lose this week. But the teams that are also chasing them down are probably going to lose this week also. And then the Panthers, a distant third. Uh, they just deactivated Cam Newton. So the Seahawks will hang on. They will definitely hang on and make the playoffs as 9-7, and seven, or realistically. And they'll probably play uh, the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, probably the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't see them. Yeah, because the only way they could play the Bears is if they, if they got better. <laughs> They're not going to win this week, so... Uh, yeah, the Seahawks, they've been great. Uh, Pete Carroll, this is probably his best coaching job, maybe ever, maybe even a better coaching job than what he did at USC. And I say that because at USC, obviously he had talent, talent, talent on, on those teams. I mean, just those are some of the greatest college teams ever that Pete Carroll had. This Seattle Seahawks team is just a team of all time. <laughs> this is just a team in the history of the NFL. They're not very good. They're not really good, the Seattle Seahawks. Doug Baldwin has been, uh, he's been hurt and not hurt all year long. But Pete Carroll has managed to turn this team into a playoff team after being written off and people were talking about him being fired. Remember, and I think I was one of them too, P. 
People were talking about Pete Carroll going back to USC. If he got fired this year uh, at, in Seattle, people were talking about him possibly coming back and reviving the USC program from Carroll, um, Carroll Clay Helton. Um, and then he completely threw all those rumors away because he started winning games. I mean, you can't fire him if they make the playoffs. They cha- he changed them into a power-running team, and he gave Russell Wilson the kind of uh, mobility, the space in the offense to do what he does best and run. Obviously, he's a better passer than uh, Lamar Jackson, but I just think is the talent is the talent is not there. At some point, you have to have some studs. You got to have some some monsters on the field, and the Seahawks they just don't. I mean, they do what their formula to win is is uh, you know power running, play good defense. They've had a respectable defense despite losing basically every member of the Legion of Boom. Um, they've had a pretty good defense. Their formula they do it about the worst. They have they do their formula the worst amongst the other teams that. Uh, have the same formula. You're talking about the Cowboys and the Bears, potentially even the Chargers, really. Um, they have the... <laughs> can't even talk anymore. Their formula for winning, they do it the worst amongst the other playoff teams, the Cowboys and the Bears. So I don't see them beating the Cowboys and then they would, they'd have to play the Bears too. So ironically, the teams that they mirror, they would have to play. I don't think they follow their formula as good as the other teams. I'll take the Seahawks at number 11. Number 10, number 10, yeah. Oh, I, I skipped down to number nine. Kind of scared myself. The Vikings. Now, the Vikings right now are the sixth seed uh, in the NFC, and they've been really bad. I think the Eagles are probably a better team uh, than the Vikings. They've just been playing. They've they've played worse than the Vikings, the Eagles have, but I think they have a better roster. Now, with that, they're probably going to lose this week against the Texans, so that will effectively eliminate them. I think the Vikings will lose this week also, but, be, but by them... Excuse me, man, I'm, this is a horrible day for me today. By the Eagles losing with the Texans, that'll keep the Vikings, that'll basically cement their spot uh, in the playoffs. So let's go ahead and keep the Vikings there at number 10. They've, I mean, they have to be one of the worst teams like in the playoffs. Not as far as roster, but as far as play. I mean, they've been playing worse than everybody. The only reason I don't have them dead last, I have them at number 10, is because they do have talent. They have more talent then some of the other teams uh, in the playoffs, and we'll get to them a little bit later. Ravens being one of them and another team who's going to really upset you uh, a little bit later. We'll talk about them. They have a lot of talent. They have, obviously, Adam Thielen. They have Stephon Diggs. They have Dalvin Cook, who they've uh, they fired John Filippo, and they've made it a point to run the football. Dalvin Cook looked like Adrian Peterson uh, the other week, or was it last week, against the Dolphins. I mean, he was, he was a monster. So they're kind of, they have weapons on offense. But with their biggest problem is that, ironically, their defense. The defense was supposed to be what this team could hang their hat on. And it's just been so inconsistent. You, I mean, you don't know what you're getting from on a week-to-week basis from their defense. Kirk Cousins is not the problem. I mean, people are just looking kind of for a scapegoat because he's the new uh, kid in town. They're kind of blaming him. It's actually one of his, statistically, one of his better seasons uh, for Kirk Cousins as far as, I think, completion rating uh, is up. He's just, I mean, he's not Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we all knew that. We, he wasn't going to take over... You're going to take over the team and make them this dynamic force in the NFL. Um, I thought he would be better. I have to admit that. I really thought he'd be uh, better than Case Keenum. He hasn't been that much better. Um, But it's really the defense. That's the biggest problem for this team. It's really inconsistent. I mean, uh, it was a long time ago. But remember way back when, when they got torched by Buffalo at home? That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I'll put the Vikings at number 10. Number 9, the Pittsburgh Steelers. El Paso's favorite football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because everyone from El Paso is originally from Pittsburgh. We all know that. Um, some sarcasm there for you. Uh, the Steelers are one of the most frustrating teams uh, in this entire playoff bracket. They, are, they just they make you want to rip your hair out. You don't, again, is what the Vikings are on defense, the Steelers are on their entire football team. You have no idea what you're going to get. I, what I see from the Steelers is that they really just, they don't have an identity on offense. They don't know if they want to be a, a running football team with James Conner, who has more than replaced Le'Veon Bell. He's been fantastic. He's had some injury problems, so they had to go uh, start throwing the ball a little bit more. And then throwing, I mean, passing the ball, it's like, who's their number one? Honestly, and this sounds like a dumb question, but it's not. Who's the number one receiver in Pittsburgh? Is it Antonio Brown or is it Juju Smith-Schuster? Because of the past three weeks, Juju Smith-Schuster has had more catches and more receiving yards. I'm making up those stats. But he's had, I mean, he's been targeted more, and I'm talking more so about um, the Patriots game. Juju, and I think it is like the last two or three weeks, Juju Smith-Schuster has been the number one. If you have Antonio Brown on your team, I don't care who your number two receiver is. Antonio Brown is your number one. You need to start throwing him the ball like he is your number one. 
the, the Steelers just seem confused to me. They don't really have an identity on offense. Their defense is atrocious, but uh, usually uh, Ben Roethlisberger, they have weapons on offense. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, they have weapons galore, and that's what's uh, been their bread and butter. They've just been outscoring teams really eventually. And then at sometimes when Ben Roethlisberger th- uh, turns the ball over, um, that's been their downfall too. So they're just kind of, they're kind of a mess, really. I mean, I have them this high, uh, number nine in the top ten, because they're just so talented. I mean, they just have so many weapons. When they are on, they're on. They could easily be a Super Bowl contender, but they've been off most of the time. So, I mean, you really can't count on them. I'll take the Steelers at number nine. Number eight, the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Uh, they got shut out against the Colts. Now, everybody pump your brakes. It's really, it's really a nothing deal. I mean, I, this it means nothing. It's zero. This, the Colts shut out is, is absolutely zero is somewhat of a scheduled loss really uh for the cowboys like i said earlier they have a formula that travels well and they they execute it well they have a great formula and it it suits their team they're a power running team with a i mean they have a great defense specifically their pass rush which makes obviously pass coverage uh even better but the cowboys biggest wart is their inconsistency especially on offense and namely dak prescott now, Dak Prescott is not bad. He's not great either. He's above average. He's, I mean, bordering on good is Dak Prescott. All you need to do is really, if you watch the Cowboys games and you watch Dak Prescott throw the football, you can see, okay, he's not one of maybe the top 10 best passers in the league. But he's more, he does not turn the ball over. Well, that's a lie. Actually, that is a lie. He leads the entire league, not quarterbacks. He leads the league uh, in fumbles and fumbles lost. So, I mean, he actually does turn the ball over. So forget I just said that. But as far as throwing the ball, he's not going to, he's a little bit too lukewarm. I guess. Like he's not going to throw ball. He's not going to take chances and then throw the ball downfield. He's not going to take uh, over games with his arm or his legs for that matter. I mean, he broke all of Tim Tebow's rushing yards records and rushing touchdown records in the SEC. And he's done, I mean, he hasn't done a lot uh, running the football He's just kind of like a, like like a warm. I don't know how to. I don't know how to describe him. He doesn't do really anything great. A lot of things okay, and a few other things good. He's not really the guy who I think the Cowboys should invest in. Uh, they're talking about should they extend him? Are they going to give him a huge payday? He's not Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. I mean, a guy who's going to take over games with his arm and personally win you games is ta- is Dak. Prescott so I don't agree with the Cowboys paying him uh like he is I think that will ulti- look as far as the playoff bracket is constructed they'll play the Seahawks the first round I think they'll win that game uh then they're gonna have to go on the road probably to New Orleans now I don't see the Cowboys defense holding Drew Brees to 10 points again specifically in New Orleans so I mean Dak Prescott is gonna have to score the football uh in the playoffs I don't know if he has that ability uh, even with Amari Cooper, uh, Dak Prescott. His numbers are way better. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, his numbers have skyrocketed since Amari Cooper has gotten there, has arrived to Dallas, but he's still not a great passer. That ultimately, you cannot just change overnight. So the Cowboys, for me, are a number eight. Still a top 10 uh, team in the playoffs. But I wouldn't pick them to win the Super Bowl. Um, number seven, the Patriots. Now, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, I mean, really honest. Forget the Patriot way. Forget all of it. Let's just look at a blind resume. The Patriots are honestly the worst roster in the playoff bracket. They are the worst roster in the entire playoff. Look at their entire... I mean, they're just... They're awful. They have... The Patriots have nothing. They have their best position. uh, Their best player really is Rob Gronkowski, and he isn't even really having a great year uh, himself. They have zero pass rush. Uh, they have a, another random assortment of slot receivers, uh, which got even worse today. Uh, James, no, Josh Gordon. Who's James? I was going to say James Gordon. Who's that? Josh Gordon uh, suspended for what feels like the last time. His NFL career is likely over. He's no longer with the Patriots. Uh, so their receivers are even worse now. Who is their running back? I have no idea who their running back is. Is it Sony Michelle? Is it James White? Is it James Devlin? I have. Is it Rex Burkhead? Nobody knows who their running back is. They just, I mean, the Patriots roster is horrendous. It's so bad. I just hit this bench. So why do you have them at number eight or seven? Why do you have them at number seven, even higher? Because, okay, let's take away that blind resume. 
They're the Patriots, and they're going to have home field advantage for at least one round, depending on what happens on the other side of the AFC bracket. If the Texans were to lose, they would have home field advantage for the AFC championship game. That's, of course, um, considering or assuming they would beat the Chiefs uh, at home or on the road, however you want to look at it, depending on what side of the fence you fall on. But the Patriots have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. This isn't their first rodeo, is it? It isn't their 10th rodeo. They've been here almost every year for 20 years now. Despite you know, their, their bad roster and their severe lack of talent, I'm still investing a lot of faith in just Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's ability to just outsmart and outplay everyone else. But this year really feels different. I mean, they haven't had a great receiver, I don't think, ever during the Tom Brady era. Obviously, the one... The one receiver that they've had throughout all these years is Randy Moss, and that was like towards the end of his prime. That was towards the end of Randy Moss's prime, and they went 16 and 0, and were like they were a helmet catch away from being the the second undefeated team in NFL NFL history. Uh, Newsflash: New England get Tom Brady a receiver, but that's besides the point. But this year feels different. They've they've never really had great receivers, great running backs, and they've always they've always found themselves in the AFC Championship game or in the Super Bowl or winning it. But this year feels like it just feels like it's it might be too much, it might be too much for them. I mean, especially when you're talking about the Chargers, uh, the Steelers, they could end up seeing who have a ton of weapons. The Texans have a bunch of weapons, and namely the Kansas City Chiefs. So I mean, I'm giving the Patriots the benefit of the doubt, but let's proceed with caution here. Number six, the Texans, who I just uh, mentioned, or did I skip? No, okay, the Texans. Now, the Texans are the weakest of the top, the top two-seeded teams uh, in the AFC and the NFC. I think they're the worst uh, amongst those four. Uh, no disrespect to the Texans, but just that the other teams are really great. And they have probably the worst running game of all those four teams. What is Lamar Miller, man? I mean, Lamar Miller's been doing this for like five years now. You don't know what you're going to get from Lamar Miller on any given day. Um, so they're going to have to be a, a passing team, which they are. I mean, they're good at doing They have Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. They added uh, a Demarius Thomas. He's been okay. I mean, he hasn't been dominant, but he's been, you know, serviceable for the Texans. Uh, obviously, they have a great pass rush from J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney, but their pass defense, their secondary is really, really bad. I mean, Watt and Clowney really make up for a lot of holes in that secondary. Uh, I just don't have a lot of... I have them over the Patriots because they do have a home field advantage. They're the second seed as it stands currently, and they're just more dynamic. Like I said, the Patriots have the worst roster uh, in the playoffs. I mean, of course, they're the Patriots, so they're probably going to win a whole bunch of games, but the Texans are more dynamic than the Patriots. I have them at six, but I'm not ironic. I could flip. I mean, you could flip those really. I'm really not that much more confident in Houston than I am in New England, um, but I'll have, I have the Texans there at number six. And what do I have here? Uh, they have just been bad. In the game where people have gave them... Oh, okay. I'm talking about somewhere. The Rams. It's something else. Okay, number five. The Rams. Man, this has been a, one of the more sloppy crowd noise episodes uh, since our uh, inception. Number five, the Rams. The Rams have officially alarmed me. Everyone has been all... I mean, they've been doing this in the NBA and the NFL. If one team has a bad game, everyone's up in arms. The world's coming down. It's just on fire. And I'm, pump your brakes. I'm always the guy. Just relax. Let's give them some time. Let's see. And now I am officially scared for the Rams. It's been more than a, more than two or three weeks that the Rams have been bad. Um, everyone gave them a pass against Chicago. That was Those were the notes that I was reading uh, for a different team. It's getting confusing. Uh, they had a bad game against Chicago. Everyone gave them a pass because they were on the road. And uh, it had been a while. The Chicago, it had been a while since they had played um, that bad. And uh, Chicago's a really great team, obviously, especially at home. But then they had another bad week again last week against the Eagles. Um, and the Eagles really aren't even that good. Against Nick Foles, I mean, credit to Nick Foles. He did fantastic. It was a great game to watch. I mean, just to see Nick Foles back out there, the Eagles looked like a brand new team. But the Rams had a lead. I mean, they had a chance to win it also at the end with a fumbled punt return that, that sealed the game. And I am officially concerned for the Rams. All the big personalities and all the big contracts that they brought in on defense, it seems like it's starting to take a toll on that locker room. Their defense is kind of breaking down. Like if you thought there was one thing the Rams could count on, it was their defense. If uh, Jared Goff was having a bad day, um, you knew you could count on Todd Gurley. They haven't been feeding Todd Gurley as much as I 
I think they should have. He's the best running back in the NFL. Why not give him the ball more often? The Rams are just kind of, they're starting to implode a little bit. Uh, how high do I have them here? Uh, still number five? or Yeah, number I still have them at number five. So pretty good, but uh, I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith uh, in those Los Angeles Rams. The other team in Los Angeles, I almost said the other team in Los Angeles, the San Diego Chargers. I literally almost said the Los Angeles San Diego Chargers. That's that should be their name. They should have like they should play half their games in LA and half their games in San Diego. I think that would be interesting. Uh, but those Chargers check in at number four in Los Angeles. The Chargers are the new best team in the NFL. And I said this a few weeks ago. Um, we were talking about the Rams a few weeks ago. Every it, start, it started off in the beginning of the year. It was the Chiefs. They were the best team in the NFL. Then it was the Rams. They're the best team in the NFL. Then it was the Saints. They're the best team in the NFL. And right now everyone's on the Chargers bandwagon. They're a good team. Don't get me wrong. I'm just pointing out people are really fickle. I mean, people just, they change each and every single week. They're, they're on a new, there's, there's something new that people are hyped up about. The Chargers are the newest, the newest team that everyone is kind of uh, really high on. I have them at number four. I mean, they're a great team. They have a ton of depth. I mean, they just do everything. They just do a lot of things uh, well. Derwin James has completely revamped that secondary uh, single-handedly they're more than just a pass rushing team because before it was well you just have to block uh, Joey Bosa and other than that you could just throw it over the top now you can't because Derwin James is fantastic I think he's a defensive uh, rookie of the year they've been great all year long but the Chargers despite having being so great they're 11 and 3 they're the fifth seed uh, by way of being the second place in their division right behind the Chiefs or not right they're tied with the Chiefs um, for first place but because the Chiefs have a better divisional record the Chargers would drop all the way down to the fifth seed they'd have to go on the road to Pittsburgh a game that I think they could win again I don't I can't bet on the Steelers uh, week in and week out you have no idea what you're going to get the Chargers are the exact opposite you know exactly what you're going to get every single week they're consistent but I don't see them going on the road and beating Pittsburgh well I mean I do see them uh, beating Pittsburgh, but specifically going on the road at Arrowhead again and beating them twice. Uh, the Chiefs, they blew that game. Let's not make any excuses, but I don't see another meltdown uh, in Arrowhead, which, I mean, it has happened throughout the years, but we're going to discuss uh, that in a second. Number three, the Chicago Bears. Da Bears. I really like the, the Bears are one of my favorite teams this year. I really, really like watching the Bears. Their defense is not just, you know, a low-scoring game. They're fun to watch. They sack the quarterback. They turn the ball over. They have all kinds of celebrate. They're a fun defense to watch. This is, I mean, I think this is the best team for the NFL because everyone's so sick of offenses and it's high scoring. The Bears are the team for you because they're they're a defensive team. So are the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are unwatchable. I mean, the Cowboys are just they're easily one of the worst teams to watch on television. They're a great team. That's not to say they're not good, but they are unwatchable. The Bears are fun. The Bears are a lot of fun to watch. I have them at number three. And unlike other, I mean, recently, and I say recently in the past five or six years, there have been great defenses, but the great defenses have had, I mean, they're not consistent and it's not sustainable. It's become, the NFL has become, offense will always trump defense. That is not the case for the Chicago Bears. This defense can go on the road and they can beat anybody. I really believe they can beat anyone in the NFL. I am personally rooting, if I'm going to show any biases, I'm rooting for a Bears-Chiefs Super Bowl. What better than the best offense all year long, the Chiefs, against the best defense all year long? It's not debatable. The two best uh, on each side of the ball against each other on the Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately, but that's the Super Bowl that I am rooting for. They are the antithesis of each other. There's a vocabulary word for you kids out there. They are the antithesis of each other, the Bears and the Chiefs. I would love to see that Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to happen. And here's why Mitchell Trubisky. Ultimately, at some point, he's going to have to score. I don't know if the Bears, they're not turnover dependent, but they have kind of covered some of Mitchell Trubisky's uh, flaws by getting some touchdowns on defense or turning the ball over, giving him some good uh, field position. At some point, Mitchell Trubisky is going to have to score on his own. I don't, he's just wildly inconsistent. There are other times where he puts up literally, I mean, Patrick Mahomes numbers. I mean, I think he had a six touchdown game this year. Uh, did Mitchell Trubisky but then other times he just looks horrendous I mean that Rams game he was bad it was just that um he was really bad when they played the Rams the defense again covering up for him and, and picking up the slack I don't know how often they're going to be able to do that like I said I, just, I know I just said that uh, eventually at some point usually quarterbacks uh they take they take over great defenses that's not going to happen to Chicago but at some point I mean 
at, at least in one game, Mr. Trubisky is going to have to score the football and take over. I don't know how confident I am in him. Uh, that defense is going to keep him in games, though. It's not going to explode. I mean, the, the Bears will absolutely keep Mitchell Trubisky in the game. They will give him plenty of chances. I don't know how many of those chances he will take advantage of, though. Number two, the team that I want to see in the Super Bowl, with the Bears, the Chiefs. The Like I said, the antithesis of the Bears. That's the word of the day, kids. Antithesis. An amazing offense. I mean, it goes anywhere they're off. I mean, no one can, the only team that really kind of slowed them down was the Ravens, and they lost in overtime. So no one is, like, shutting down this uh, this offense, except maybe the Bears, which, I mean, we'll never get, we really won't ever know. And their defense is terrible. However, they are getting back uh, Eric Berry, which I do think is a big plus for that defense. They're going to have a superstar and a veteran who's been in the playoffs. He's seen these collapses. He knows what to uh, what to do and uh, how to stop those collapses from, collapses from happening. That's the reason why I have them at number two, because uh, their defense is not really good. And Andy Reid and the Chiefs have a recent history of exploding at home I mean in in the playoffs they've just been bad uh, in the playoffs over the years the Chiefs and Andy Reid but they have Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes has not been a part of any of those collapses there's a new sheriff in town I think he will make a huge impact he will put them over the hump and the team most likely to make the Super Bowl from the AFC the Chiefs now the number one team if you're keeping track at home there's only one team left the Saints I have the Saints ranked number one most likely to make the Super Bowl. They have no holes. Tell me right now, what do the Saints do wrong? They can throw the ball, obviously. They can throw the ball downfield with Michael Thomas. They have Drew Brees. Uh, they have balance. I mean, they're Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. They can run the football. And for whatever reason, they, I mean, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas aren't connecting. They can run the ball. And everyone, there's a lot of flash on offense, which I mean, I get. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. How could you not pay attention to the offense? Sean Payton, he's the mastermind behind it all. But their defense is really good. I mean, not maybe not one of the best defenses in all the league, but more than serviceable. I mean, their defense is good. So I would say good. Maybe bordering on great are the Saints' defense. They have no holes. I mean, that's not to say I'm picking them to win the Super Bowl. Again, this isn't a Super Bowl or playoff predictor. This is just the teams who are most likely to win based based off of style of play and personnel. And the Saints... They're the best. They're so balanced. They play great defense. They're going to play every single game at home, so they should get to the Super Bowl. Obviously, if they were to run into the Rams or the Bears on a really good day, they could lose those. I wouldn't be shocked if the Saints lost to the Bears or the Rams. I mean, excuse me. I wouldn't be shocked if the Saints, yeah, if the Saints lost to the Bears or the Rams. Um, but they're the best team. They're easily the best team left uh, in the playoffs. Well, not left. Best team starting the playoffs. They have the best roster. They're the most cohesive roster. They're just so balanced. The Saints are the number one team left in these 2000, I guess 19, because they're starting in January, 2019 NFL playoffs. Those are uh, my rankings from 12 to 1. Would you look at the time? It's ad time. Okay, so we are skipping our NFL picks for this week. Uh, the NFL rankings, I guess the playoff rankings went uh, pretty long. We're standing at half an hour right now. Uh, we don't have enough time to do the picks and talk about what I want to talk about with the Lakers, so we're just going to go ahead and uh, skip right ahead to the Lakers. So I'm sure you might have already heard. The Lakers and LeBron James are actively trying to acquire Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans. LeBron James said, when asked about how what he, what he would think about playing with Anthony Davis, how would that work, he said, that would be amazing, like, duh, now, when LeBron James says something along the lines of, like, duh, you can make the argument that it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's pretty obvious that he wants Anthony Davis on the Lakers. It's pretty obvious that Anthony Davis on the Lakers with LeBron James would be, I think, an instant title contender. Um, now, the reason I'm so concerned about the Lakers and about, well, really not LeBron. LeBron has enough. He's got pizza. He's got a billion-dollar shoe deal with Nike. I'm not worried about LeBron. I'm worried about the Lakers because I think they've made a grave mistake. And the reason I say that, when Anthony Davis was asked about teaming up with LeBron in uh, La La Lands with the Lakers, he said, and I quote, this should be the quote of the week, but this is way bigger than the quote of the week. That's why I separated it from, I gave it its own segment because this really, really caught my eye. He said, I don't really care. Now, when someone says, I don't really care 
about being when when asked about being paired up with LeBron James, that is not a good sign. That tells you that player really does not want to play with LeBron. And the reason I say that is because LeBron opened the door for him. I mean, he rolled out the red carpet. He gave them the ultimate pass by saying, oh, that'd be amazing. I love playing with Anthony. He opened the door for Anthony Davis to say, okay, I want to play with the Lakers. Force, he could force a trade. He, I mean, he rolled out the red carpet and Anthony Davis said, I don't really care. LeBron James gave him the out. He gave him the ultimate opportunity to say, okay, I want to play with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start stirring up in the media, say, yes, I want to play with LeBron James also, like, duh. And he just, he just completely shot it down. And the Lakers, are, they are running out of options in a hurry. I mean, Kevin Durant is, I mean, everyone's off of that. He's not going to the Lakers after, I mean, he's taking repeated shots at LeBron James. He really he just doesn't like the guy. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, there's rumors he's still looking at L.A., but not the Lakers. He wants to play with the Clippers for, I mean, I think that's ridiculous. But if he were to team up with Kevin Durant on the Clippers, uh, then I fully understand why he doesn't want to go to the Lakers. Klay uh, Thompson, it looks like he's not going anywhere. That's another. Kem, uh, Kyrie Irving was never going anywhere. He was never going to play with the Lakers. Kemba Walker, I mean, that pot, you're really starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Chris Middleton, I mean, is he even an all star player? The Lakers are running out of perennial all star options to pair with LeBron James. And the idea, the plan was never to bring LeBron James and have him win a title on his own. The idea was to bring in LeBron James to attract other free agents. They were getting LeBron James to to get other players, ironically. I mean, obviously, and this is what I mean, um, or let me clarify. LeBron James obviously, obviously has fixed the Lakers. He solved them for the time being. Last year, they were a lottery team. They would have had the 10th pick uh, in the draft had they had not, or had they retained their draft pick. It was part of the Steve Nash horrendous trade deal. Um, they lost their top 10 draft pick last year. So obviously, and they're ta- you're talking about the Lakers are like, I think three or four games out uh, outside of the first seed in the West. So they're doing great. But the reason I am concerned for the Lakers is if they can't bring anyone in this summer, which is already, I mean, it's supposed to be one of the greatest, you know, free agency summers, uh, you know, in a long, long time. What are they going to do? If you're stuck with LeBron and you can't bring in anyone else what is your backup plan? If it's if your answer is Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram, newsflash, that's the wrong answer. They were never, I don't think anyone ever intended for them to fully be the next faces of the franchise. The intention was to draft well, which they have not at the top. I mean, obviously Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma are great picks, but at the top of the draft, the Lakers have failed hilariously. Yeah, where's D'Angelo? D'Angelo Russell isn't even on the team anymore. They had to replace him with Lonzo Ball, who has still shown a defiance to score the basketball. Brandon Ingram, who, I mean, I'm really disappointed in him. He has shown no signs of growth um, playing any kind of any better with LeBron James. I think he's coming back, I think it's tonight or this weekend. He's coming back off of injury. He's going to play with the Lakers. We'll see how that works out. He is repeatedly in all kinds of trade talks, specifically in ones that... Uh, are going to acquire Anthony Davis. But if LeBron James doesn't get any, any, if he gets nobody this summer and he gets nobody next summer, you don't even have to worry about him staying. The, he's gone after the third year because he has a player option after three years. He's not even considering staying. For, you have to bring in someone. And if LeBron James is gone and you get nobody, what do you do if you're the Lakers? You haven't drafted well. And I unfortunately, I didn't have the show way back when, but you can go on my Twitter and find it. I was fully campaigning for De'Aaron Fox over Lonzo Ball for the Lakers. Magic Johnson went with the homegrown route. He went with the flash, the flare, Lonzo Ball, and it has not worked out. He's been playing better. He had a triple-double the other night. I know everyone loves triple-doubles. It's the ultimate stat in the NBA. But De'Aaron Fox has, I mean, blossomed. I mean, there was no sophomore slump. He is one of the best players. Well, I don't know. Okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overselling De'Aaron Fox, but the point is he's playing way better than Lonzo Ball. The Kings have drafted phenomenally. And they've drafted fantastic. Marvin Bagley has been pretty good. I mean, not fantastic, but he's been good. It's only his rookie year. De'Aaron Fox is obviously great. Uh, Buddy Heald, you know what you're going to get from him. He's a great shooter. What do the Lakers have outside of LeBron? They have nothing. Because think about all the good players. Well, they had JaVale, Lance Stevenson. Uh, I was going to say Michael Beasley. He hasn't been playing. Uh, he's with his, uh, his sick mother, which, I mean, everyone fully understands that. I'm not taking anything away 
from there. But all the great players that the Lakers have outside of their young core are only there because of LeBron James. Tyson Chandler would not be a Laker. JaVale McGee would not be a Laker. Lance Stevenson would still be in Indiana. None of the good players. I mean, so the Lakers are going to be left with... If they don't get Anthony Davis or Kemba Walker or anybody, I mean, not Chris Middleton. I'm talking about a superstar, top 15, top 20 player in the whole league. If they don't get one of those guys, the Lakers are going right back to square one. They're going to be in big trouble. I mean, they're going to be in big, maybe in worse shape than when Kobe left. They might be in, in a worse place than that. Because what do they, I mean, Lonzo Ball has not shown any any improvement as far as scoring the ball. He's a great defender, but this is the NBA. You have to score the basketball, especially at the point guard position. Look at all the best point guards in the league. Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Kemba Walker. All the best point guards score the ball. Darren Fox, I mean, not saying he's one of the best point guards in the league right now, but he scores the ball Fantastic. I mean, he can run up and down the floor. Um, I'm never letting that go. The Lakers should have drafted De'Aaron Fox. I'd, I'd feel a lot better about the Lakers if they had Lakers if they had De'Aaron Fox rather than Lonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram, what is he? I mean, what does he do? He doesn't shoot very well. He doesn't score at a consistent rate. He's not a, a quote-unquote elite defender. He's not Paul George or anything like that. He's okay. What does he do? Kyle Kuzma, he's pretty good. Um, he's pretty good. I can't lie. Now, let's be honest. Josh Hart, he's pretty good. Let's be honest. But what have the Lakers done at the top of the draft? Nothing. They have they've done zero. I mean, the Lakers have wasted. It's the ultimate waste of a rebuild is what the Lakers have done because they haven't rebuilt. Okay, they brought in LeBron James and, that, and they've been a lot better, obviously, but nobody wants to play with them. And this is why I'm, I bring this up about Anthony Davis and the Lakers because it's the Lakers. Any, any name you throw, you come... Uh, Anytime you get a name and you connect them with the Lakers, it's news. They're headlines. Anthony Davis is not going to play for the Lakers, and I can tell you why. If I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, why on God's green earth would I trade with the Lakers now, two years before his contract is up? It makes absolutely zero sense. Now, for the Lakers, conversely, I mean, the ball is not in their court. What's, let, me tell, let me point it out from the Lakers' viewpoint as far as trading for Anthony Davis right now. They have to do it as soon as possible. The Lakers need to trade for Anthony Davis yesterday. They need to get this deal done. I mean, because their assets are not getting any more attractive. Lonzo Ball isn't getting better. I mean, as far as scoring the ball, like he doesn't. Lonzo Ball look like someone to carry a franchise. No, okay. Does Brandon Ingram look like he's gonna? No, Kyle Kuzma. Okay, but he's a good player. You'd like to keep Kyle Kuzma if you could. Josh Hart, the same thing. I think Josh Hart. They're not as attached to it. I think they could feel a little bit better about themselves if they got rid of Josh Hart. But you might have to get rid of Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart just to even get in the ballpark in discussions for Anthony Davis. But the other team that's competing with the league, uh, basically every who doesn't want Anthony Davis on their team, but the number one team that is going after Anthony Davis outside of the Lakers are the Boston Celtics. The arch nemesis of the Lakers it's only perfect right it's only perfect that the Celtics are the other team competing with the Lakers for Anthony Davis prop the best center in the NBA today the Celtics cannot trade for Anthony Davis until July 1st for some ridiculous obscure rule because of Kyrie Irving's contract or whatever I don't know how it works I mean my friend told me about it and I kind of you ever do those things where you're like oh yeah okay where you just like nod you just didn't understand a word they were saying so you just like nod to go ahead to go along with it um, then I saw it on TV and they explained it uh, and I kind of understood it. Uh, shout out to my friend. You know who you are. Anyway, the Celtics did not trade for Anthony Davis until July 1st of what would be 2019. The Celtics, if it gets into a bidding war with the Lakers, Danny Ainge wins. He wins. I mean, the Celtics have way more assets than the Lakers. I mean, it's not even funny. The Lakers wouldn't even been, be in the conversation. If I'm the Pelicans... Why would I trade to the Lakers or with the Lakers, who is a conference rival, and they have less to offer me? That makes zero sense. And I'm not of the belief that the longer or the, the quicker you make the trade, the more you get. I, I disagree. I think the longer you wait, the more you get because you have more teams uh, in the hunt. The Celtics have, they're not trading. I mean, obviously not Kyrie Irving. The, I, the whole point of trading for Anthony Davis is to pair him with Kyrie Irving. But you have four first-round draft picks. You have... Terry Rozier, who's, I mean, he can score. Saw Terry, the scary Terry during the playoffs. Obviously, he can play in the postseason. 
kind of flamed out a little bit, but we've seen the potential. Jalen Brown, I mean, he's great. Jason Tatum. If we're talking about Anthony Davis, I mean, the one of the five best players on planet Earth, I'm okay with uh, parting with Jason Tatum because the return is Anthony Davis and possibly even Drew Holiday because you have to do... You have to bounce it out with contracts. So and Drew Holiday's an all-star too. He's no no scrub for sure. Jason Tatum's got a bright future. But if I'm getting Anthony Davis in return, I think I'd make that move. Uh, Gordon Hayward, I would definitely part with Gordon Hayward if I'm the Celtics. They might not be able to. But in any case, you could give him one of your, I mean, just King's ransom uh, first-round draft picks that you have. You can give him uh, your assets you already have as far as your players, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, uh, Terry Rozier, any one of those players. What do the Lakers have to offer? Brandon Ingram, who's, I mean, he's going to get traded no matter what because he's not scoring. Lonzo Ball cannot score the basketball. He's still, I mean, atrocious from the free throw line. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is good, but is he Jason Tatum? I would say no. Uh, Josh Hart, is he Jalen Brown? I would say no. He's good, but he's not as good. The Lakers, they do control their first-round draft picks after every year after this one. Or I think starting this year, they, they control all of their draft picks. But what are those draft? What are those draft picks worth? I mean, if the, if you're giving the Lakers Anthony Davis and LeBron James, obviously they're going to be competing for titles. So those draft picks really aren't worth that much. All the Celtics draft picks are acquired. They're really, I mean, bad teams. I think it's uh, whose picks are they? The Sixers. The Sixers aren't that bad. Uh, well, they're not bad at all. They have the Kings pick. Do they still have Brooklyn pick? I mean, the Nets gave them like first round picks from 2010 to the end of the century. I mean, they gave them a whole stock. They have a lot of picks that aren't necessarily the Celtics. They have acquired other four other first-round picks. So I, the Pelicans, the wise move for them is to trade with the Celtics. It's not, even, it's not even a debate. You trade with the Celtics if you're the Pelicans. But the whole point of this segment was to talk about the Lakers. Not the Celtics, not the Pelicans. It's the Lakers, and specifically Anthony Davis. If the Lakers can't get Anthony Davis, their franchise will be crippled for at least the, the next five to ten years because they're going to have to start over. And they've showed an incompetence in, in drafting, you know, in drafting at the top. You know, they've, they've gotten Kyle Kuzma, who's a great player, but he's not a franchise guy. Josh Hart, the same thing. What is Lonzo Ball? He's not as good as Darren Fox. He's not as good as Donovan Mitchell. He's not as good as Jason Tatum. Um, Brandon Ingram, he's not as good as Jalen Brown, I would say. He, he's not one of the best top three or four or five draft. if you were to rank all the draft picks from Brandon Ingram's class I don't think Brandon Ingram would be Brandon Ingram would be in the top five if you were to rate them as players today and it's still only his third year but when you have LeBron James the patience and the time for the potential to grow it, it dissipates so Brandon Ingram is probably going to be shipped out anyway and the Lakers are going to have to they're going to be back in square one uh, because they're going to lose LeBron if they can't bring in anyone LeBron is not sticking around for his pizza place I mean he's going back to Cleveland or my he's going somewhere for however I don't know how many years LeBron James left has left in his prime but I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a lot I think he can be a Tom Brady-esque player in the NBA I mean I think he can really extend his his playing career he's he's I mean maybe the most durable player of all time and I'm probably jinxing LeBron James with the Lakers now but he's been really durable I mean obviously throughout his whole career he played all 82 games last year he's showing even better numbers this year than he had last year. And last year, he was in the MVP race. But if you can't bring anyone... Because the way it stands right now... let's Okay, let's look. Why, so you're saying... I know what you're saying. Well, they have LeBron. What's the, you're acting like they're terrible. No, I know they're great. I know they're in the playoffs. But the plan was never to get LeBron James and that's it. We're done. That's it. We got LeBron. We're finished. The plan was to get LeBron James and add other players and create their own super team. And if they can't do that... If they can't do that, and they, let's say, say for the next two years... Because he's not, I can promise you, if the Lakers don't get anyone, he's not staying all four years. I can guarantee you that. So you have a three-year title window now. You only have three years to win a championship. Rather than if you were to build a super team, you'd have five to eight years. But let's, let's just say his first three years in this contract. Does this team, or can this team that they have now, Tyson Chandler, JaVale McGee, Lance, all those guys, can they win the finals as they stand right now? I would say a resounding no. Could they get out of the West? Possibly. I mean, maybe. If the, I don't think the Warriors are going to, even if they re-sign Kevin Durant, I don't see them winning the West every single year. I mean, it, it just takes, takes a toll on your franchise. But can, especially, and think about this, can they win the finals? No. Especially if the Celtics trade 
for Anthony Davis. Who are the Lakers going to run into in the East? Probably the Celtics. And what if the Clippers end up bringing in Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard? Are they better than the Clippers? Absolutely not. They're only a few games better than the Clippers now. And the Clippers have zero all-stars. They have no. They have Patrick Beverly and Boban Marjanovic. That's the team. And they're, all, they're right behind the Lakers. If, if, I think if the playoffs were to start today, the Lakers and the Clippers would play each other as the four and the five seed. So, they're, I mean, if you add Kawhi Leonard, even just Kawhi Leonard to that team, what, is that, what does that do to the Clippers? You're not even better than the Clippers now. The way the team stands now... And LeBron, he's not, LeBron is one of the smartest players in the NBA. He knows this. He knows they need someone else. Why in the world else would he say, oh, I'd love to play with Anthony Davis. He's, I, I'd love it to be my favorite player. When does LeBron James ever recruit players? Think about LeBron's history. He has never, he has never recruited another superstar. Never. He kind of barges his way into a superstar's team and then just takes over. Miami, Dwayne Wade was already there. And then they bring, he managed to bring in an all-star, but a lo- obviously a lower-tier player. Uh, Miami goes to my, uh, Dwayne Wade's team. He takes over, and then he brings in Chris Bosh, who's not as good as either as LeBron or Dwayne Wade. He's a good player, but he's not on that same tier. Goes back to Cleveland. Kyrie Irving's already there. Um, then they bring in Kevin Love, who's an all, a perennial all-star, but he's not on the same level as Kyrie Irving or LeBron James. He has never been able to recruit another player. He's always forced his way onto another player's team and then, what, and then brought in a third guy, and then and they've won a bunch of titles. This is different. He's, brought, he's come to the Lakers who are superstar-less. I mean, Le, Lonzo Ball is not the future. I don't believe. I don't believe Brandon Ingram's the future. I don't think Kyle Kuzma, as good as he is, I don't think he's the future of the He's not the next great Laker. You're going to put him in Magic Kobe convert? Like, no, I don't think so. So this is uncharted territory for LeBron James, trying to bring in a superstar. This is something where Stephen Curry, I mean, he brought in Kevin Durant, is whether what you think about that deal, I don't care. I mean, if you think Kevin Durant is a snake or I don't care what you think, Stephen Curry was able to bring in a superstar. He was also able to bring in DeMarcus Cousins. So other, I mean, there are other stars that are much more capable and much more suited to to recruit players than LeBron James. And I think if the Lake, even if the Lakers were to trade, if they were right now, because if if you if if you wait until the Celtics are eligible to trade for it, it's over. They don't stand a chance. So they have to get it done before July 1st. Let's just say they do for the sake of the argument. They get it done. Who's to say Anthony Davis even wants to play with LeBron James? He said, I don't really care. He could have said, oh, LeBron's a great player, but I'm with the Pelicans. He said, I don't care. He didn't just give a non-answer like, I, I'm, I'm with the Pelicans. I'll worry about that later. He just said, I don't care. He totally shot it down. So if you trade for Anthony Davis... In my eyes, he's unlikely to re-sign with the Lakers. And then he ends up on the Celtics anyway... Now you've depleted your quote-unquote farm system because you've given up Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and then the third, Kyle Kuzma or Josh Hart, take your pick. And the Celtics got Anthony Davis for free. The Lakers are in a lot of trouble. If they can't bring in another superstar, which it look, right now looks like they're not going to be able to because Kawhi is out on the Lakers, Kevin Durant is out on the Lakers, they're going to be in a great deal of trouble. They're going to be in worse shape than what they were when Kobe left. Or when I guess when Kobe towards the end of his career, they're going to be in really bad shape, and we're going to look back. And this is a, of course worst case scenario type stuff. If we look back and they weren't aren't able to sign anybody, and they're not able to win a title, and they lose all their draft picks, and they, signing LeBron James is going to be one of the worst moves in Laker history. And let's be let's be honest. Yes, they are a better team. Obviously, look at the record. Look, they're a way better team. But if they're not able to bring a championship, if they're not able to win one out of three years, because he's not staying. I'm telling you, if they can't bring in another superstar, why would he come back? He'll just leave. They can't win one title in three years, which is an incredibly tight championship window. But that's what they created for themselves. And they lose LeBron James. They lose all the other complementary players. What did that accomplish? What did all of that accomplish? They have to rebuild. Entirely from scratch, they have to start all over. It would be a complete and utter waste of time and money by the Lakers and, quite frankly, LeBron James. Because he would spend the next three years titleless. I don't think he's going to... He's not getting to the finals this year. This year, If the Clippers uh, bring in Kawhi and KD, even just one of them, they're not getting to the finals next year. They're going to be in a lot of trouble. Which is why I say things like they got to go trade for Damian Lillard. Lillard 
if hope they need to hope that the Blazers fall out of the playoffs or they get swept again in the first round. And even then, the Lakers and Blazers are historical rivals. Why in the world would the Blazers hand over Damian Lillard? The Lakers are in a lot of trouble right now. And it may be not, it's not LeBron James's fault. It's not all him. But for whatever reason, people just don't want to play with the guy. They just don't want to play with him. And they don't want to see him win anymore. All these other players, and I, I do get it. They want to pass LeBron James. They don't want to help him. They don't want to be remembered as his third sidekick. That's why Kyrie Irving forced his way out of Cleveland. He didn't want to help him win anymore. The Lakers are in a lot of trouble. Speaking of people who are in a lot of trouble, the Oakland Raiders. They are what is... It's a different quote of the week. It's not a quote of the week. It's, it's an old quote from 2017. Early 2017. It's almost two years old now. But it just resurfaced this week, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought I, I had to share with you guys. So here it is. Quote, he's the most pro-ready quarterback. John Gruden, before the 2017 NFL draft, on one... Nathan Peterman, the Peterman, John Gruden, who just signed with the Raiders, uh, Nathan Peterman, John Gruden picked him up, he's on the practice, he's not on the 53-man roster, but he's on the practice squad, and you feel like he'll probably find his way onto the team at some point, John Gruden said he's the most NFL-ready, the most pro-ready quarterback right now, he said, you can just see the way he walks out of huddles, he's an NFL quarterback, and that was in the 2017 NFL draft, uh, a draft that included Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. John Gruden says Nathan Peterman's better than all those guys. He was at the time. Maybe he doesn't think that now, but he at the time he did say he was the most pro-ready quarterback. And you got to think maybe he still kind of believes that because he wouldn't have signed him. Guys, I can't make this up. I mean, I wish I was this funny to have imagined this. Like the Raiders, as awful and as I mean, as, as hilarious as they've been, they signed Nathan Peterman. They signed Nathan Peterman. It's just, this just made my whole day. This, I think this might be, I like the, the Giannis Antetokounmpo quote. This might, it's not the funniest quote, but in context, I think it's, it's the best quote of the week that we've ever had. This is just the most John Gruden thing to do. Just going, just being defiant. Like, no, I'm right. Because John Gruden, his whole time in Oakland, and I, I firmly believe the Raiders will not make the playoffs as long as John Gruden is there throughout, even if they keep him throughout his 10 year contract, they will not make the playoffs. Once you can hold me to that uh, freezing cold takes me, I don't care. They're not going to make the playoffs, but he's so defiant, like trading away a Barry Cooper, trading away a Khalil Mack. And then he says things like, man, I wish we had a pass rush. Like, what are you talking about? Like, he's just trick, like, it's just so defiant. Like all the moves that he makes are the right moves. And I feel like someone showed him this in, in the uh, Raiders locker room. Like, Remember when you said this about Nathan Peterman? He goes, yeah, I do, man. And then he signs Nathan Peterman to prove that, yeah, he is the most... Oh, my... It's just awesome. I think I'm a Raiders fan now. This is so much fun. Because you're not going to win any... You're, well, you're not getting to the playoffs, so obviously you're not going to win any Super Bowls. But you can't tell me the Raiders aren't fun. You cannot say that the Raiders aren't one of the most fun teams to talk about. They play in a baseball stadium. Pretty soon they're going to be playing on, on Las Vegas Strip where they're going to be like the 10th most exciting thing on the Las Vegas Strip. They're not even going to be the most talked about attraction in town. The Raiders, oh, they're my favorite. I love, the Raiders are so much fun. John Gruden has single-handedly saved the NFL. Well, I can't say that. That's a lie. John Gruden has helped save the NFL, not single-handedly. It's been a two-hand job. Oh, good Lord. I can't believe I just said that. Oh, him and Nathan Peterman. Uh, wow, this is, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Him and Nathan Peterman, are, I'm not going to say that again, are working together. It's a cooperative effort. I, that's not even a word either. This is, I, man, I did really good on the LeBron thing, and then I'm, I'm ending it with two-hand job. This doesn't make any kind of sense. <laughs> John Gruden and Nathan Peterman are going to be responsible for saving the NFL, and they're not going to win a game. I mean, they're going to be horrendous, and they're going to be the most fun team in the NFL. I can't wait. I cannot wait till next season this year is not even over we don't even know who's playing in the super bowl and i can't wait for next year because as much as we know john gruden he's probably going to trade away Derek carr like not only is nathan peterman going to be on the team he's going to be the quarter he's going to be the team like 
Derek Hart, I would I wouldn't bet against him getting traded to the Giants or the the Jaguars, like anyone with a first round pick. Apparently, Nathan Peterman is going to be the quarterback of the Raiders next year, and I cannot wait. It's it's going to be so much fun. That is the end of our show this week. It kind of ended on a really weird note there. I didn't mean that. That was a mistake. I really didn't mean to say that. I didn't think about what I said until it came out, and then I heard it, and I was like, oh, I just said that. And uh, I didn't feel like uh, editing it editing, editing it out. Kind of like this uh, misspeaking right now. I'm not going to edit it out. Uh, you can listen on... Where can you listen? I don't know. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Of course, Anchor Podcasts. They were the sponsor of the show today. So thank you, uh, Anchor, for that. Uh, new episodes every single Thursday. Merry Christmas, everyone. You know, Enjoy your holidays. Enjoy your family. I will talk to you next week. Go Raiders.